right now on the Ringer Gambling Feed and all throughout the entire month of August, the East Coast Bias Boys are getting you ready to bet the NFL this season. We're going through each and every single division and revealing our favorite futures, predicting division winners, and even giving you some award winners. Do we think the Kansas City Chiefs will repeat or will they be dethroned? Tune in now to find out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Extra Point Taken, Shield Kapati, joined by Ben Solak on the Ringer NFL feed. We're switching it up today. Ben, you had a good idea. You said, you know what? If we're starting the expats, let's build some momentum with the expats. Let's let them have a say in the show and let's do a little mailbag. We've been firing off takes. Now this is a chance for them to yell at us. What do you think? I love it. I, I We've done a mailbag on the Philly pod like 19,000 times because that's just, it's such, <laughs> it's such easy stuff to do. Now, for the whole league perspective, I was like, all right, do a mailbag for the expats, get questions about a bunch of different teams. First, like nine emails I got were about the Eagles. I, I was like, okay, we got to make sure it's clear that it's Ben and Shield pod and we're doing a mailbag, but this time it's the national show. Got to get other teams in here. I got to say the expats uh, showed up, you know, we tweeted out the submission and the inbox started to fill up. You know, sometimes you ask for the questions and it's like the next day and you're like, all right, I have three questions. I like one of them. I don't know Mm -hmm. that this is going to be a great mailbag. Now, if you're not on uh, social media, first of all, great job by you. Uh, Second of all, you can, you can always just email one of us with your, uh, with your question. A lot of you did that. Some of you uh, submitted those questions. And many, uh, many of you know the, the cardinal rule, even if you weren't listeners of the Philly Special Mailbags, you know, if you want to get the question in, mm. open with a nice, hey, Ben and Shield, oh, yeah. love the pod. Great, uh, great. Really enjoy it. So good. Look forward to it every yeah. day. Questions coming in the mailbag if we get one of those intros. It's, you know, a little, little, little pro tip. It's coach, coach, uh, little coaching point right there for you. Always, always with the intro. Very nice. Yeah, I, I would say two things. One is a compliment. Uh, it doesn't have to be for the show. If you're just like, Shield, that hat you were wearing was fantastic. I saw the video clip, mm-hmm. something like that. That's in my wheelhouse. And then two is, if you submit a question from like another country, I'm always, um, almost oh. always just so flattered oh. that I'm like, all right, we're getting uh, to this person. So those are the two. All right. I've picked out 10 uh, good topics, I thought, good uh, variety of questions. Let's get into them. Number one, Chris asks, hey, Sheil and Ben, love the show. There you go. Keep up the great work, Mm -hmm. gents. My quick question is, I'm wondering why Ben has dug in his heels on the Chris Ballard disrespect. Ben was adamant that the Colts would hire Saturday. Then the Colts went ahead and secured Shane Steichen, which seems like great process. Ben was adamant that the Colts would draft Will Levis. Then they went ahead and they drafted drafted Anthony Richardson, which seems like great process. Ben, do you believe people can change for the better as Ballard has? <laughs> What's up, man? Ben, explain yourself. What do you got? Yeah, so Ballard, it, it's it's always one of those things of like, uh, you have an opinion on a guy and, he, and it's here, right? And I, it's just like a flat line. It's just a straight line. But then public opinion of him massively vacillates. And mm-hmm. so it goes up and down, above and below the line. There was that moment where uh, like the, the Colts were just off of the, the Shaq Leonard, Quentin Nelson draft. They had uh, Braden Smith playing tackle for them. He was a second round pick, the Kenny Moore draft, like Jonathan Taylor. Like, they had a stretch where they were just everybody they were taking, and all these guys outside of the first round, too. And they were just hitting, 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 hitting. Uh, and, and in that time, like Chris Ballard won an executive of the year. 
and it was like, wow, like look at how well the Colts are drafting. Now, obviously, he's also coming back off of the Andrew Luck retirement, which as we record this today, it's, it's, it's Thursday the 24th. This is the four-year anniversary of the Andrew Luck retirement. So he's, he's, he's drafting and he's rebuilding and he's reloading, coming off of like a, a franchise quarterback retiring. It's kind of nuts. That was really good from Ballard. But then there started to be this idea of like, man, Ballard's got the entire league handled. Like this is, this is, this is like, he's the best drafter. It's like, well, drafting is a luck thing. Like we can't put too much into this. Like it's really hard to draft consistently well year over year. The second thing that started to happen was uh, there was this like idea of like, wow, like Chris Ballard is being patient and is refusing to like invest in a young quarterback until he knows he gets his guy. Like Ballard had a quote uh, that he gave, uh, I want to say it was now two drafts ago to local media where he was like, if I draft a young quarterback and, and, and he ain't good, you're, I'm going to be the first guy you guys run out of the building, which is he, he's, he's a king. He's a, a leader in my clubhouse of the second job is to win a championship. The first job is not win a championship. The first job is keep the job. And Chris Ballard knew that when he was cycling in Jacoby Brissett into Phillip Rivers, into Carson Wentz, into Matt Ryan. The first job is to keep the job. If I draft a rookie and he's bad. He's absolutely right. Most of those GMs take a rookie in the first round. He doesn't pan out. They get fired pretty much right away. Uh, and so... Good drafter, but that was getting over pumped up. And then he was getting a lot of credit for like smart team building when in reality, like he was just kind of pushing the, 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 the buck a little bit, pushing the, uh, the problem down the hill a little bit of the, the Colts quarterback situation. And then you get to this point where like everything kind of implodes for the Colts. And that's why when you go back and you look, okay, like Shaq Leonard, such good drafting, Quentin Nelson, such good drafting, uh, Brandon Smith, Jonathan Taylor, such good drafting. Well, for all those guys, rookie windows, all they did was try to one year mercenary at a quarterback. All they did was like, okay, like get Philip Rivers in here, get Carson Wentz in here, just gonna solve our problem and go. And they wasted those rookie windows of those players. Now Quinn Nelson's been hurt. He's not been as good since he had the foot injury. Shaq Leonard obviously has had injury problems. And these guys are now super expensive. They got a contract problem with Jonathan Taylor going on, right? The offensive line play fell off. And then the the, the drafting starts to get a little bit less lucky, right? Like the next era of early picks is your Michael Pittman's and your Quiddy Pays and your Deo Odiangbo and like like Pittman's a great example of like he drafted Pittman top 40 and everybody was like, here it is another Ballard success. Incredible. He's great. Pittman's been fine. Like he's been solid, but he like on the scale of rookie receivers on the scale of how the young guys produce, we we kind of pumped this guy up because he was a Ballard dude. And then, then the, the, the reality of things, he's just like a, a solid player. Right. And so like I thought Ballard laid a good foundation for the team and recovered nicely from the luck era, but I don't think he maximized it. And, and, and when, when you, when you see a winning opportunity as a gym, you have to get aggressive if you're really going to go win that championship. And, and instead he kind of sat on the job. And again, I don't blame a guy for it, but that's my like estimation of Ballard. And, and so at the peak of his, his like media hype, I was kind of like the anti-Ballard guy. The fact that he talked Jim Ursay off of Jeff Saturday as a permanent head coach, huge, incredible. For whatever role he played in that, huge flowers. Awesome. I think Shane Tegan is a great hire, significantly better. For, uh, for whatever it, it, it was, you know, Ursay is a huge QB mobility guy. Ballard and his staff doing evaluations. Whatever got them on Anthony Richardson, Great. Excellent. I, I absolutely would have invested in Richardson, who is, I think, a higher ceiling, a, a more worthy of a dice roll than it was Will Levis. Who, like, I thought everybody was going to take Will Levis. All anybody would talk about for a month before the draft was how highly ranked Will Levis was, and then stuff at the fan during draft night. That wasn't real. Uh, and so so I, like, I, I was absolutely I was wrong on, on the Levis thing. I'm, I was very wrong on the Saturday thing. I thought Ursay was going to slam that higher through no matter what. So credit to Ballard for the role that he played in that. But like I said, like I think in general, I'm like, Ballard's a, a solid GM. And there, were that, there was that time where he was getting huge love and that was probably too much. And now he's, a, he's probably a little bit of a, a, a more of a lame duck GM and he's got to deal with some issues on ownership, but he's still 
overall, like over the course of his career, like a solid drafter and a solid roster manager. And I, I'm I'm not surprised that he's able to handle Ursay well enough to maybe get out of some of those those sticky corners. So kudos to him on that. I can't believe how much you had to say about Chris Ballard. Like I was going to cut in there to follow up questions, and I'm like, he really has a lot to say about Chris. Like I couldn't. If you asked me to talk about Chris Ballard, I would give you 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I would be done. This is. A, but I know you've written. You've written about the Colts. I feel like quite a bit in That's recent years. So yeah, you want all to know these why? thoughts have been on your mind. Yeah. I guess. And I did. I did. <laughs> I saw this question last night. When we sent them over. I did no research because I can do. I can do the Colts draft history off the dome, man. Because I like. I, there was a stretch there, like 2020, 2021, 2022, where like every single offseason, I wrote a piece about Chris Ballard and the Colts. And I was like, I don't know what we're doing here. But we're just like, you know, uh, it, it's it's generally just too patient of team building, right? If we want to take it from a five minute answer and make it a 30 second answer. Yeah, I thought the team building was too patient. And, and now you're in this Anthony Richardson era. And let's say Richardson's good and they have a solid quarterback on a rookie contract. I hope you learned the lesson. And we can't be too patient this time. We have to get aggressive, get some stars in the building, compete, and try to win a championship. I think that's a fair criticism. I, I felt the same way when they had those teams. Like, they would just be sitting there in free agency. Now, they did make they made some aggressive moves at quarterback. They made an aggressive move to trade for DeForest Buckner. But it always felt like, wait, this is the roster you're going into the season with, and you have cap space. Like, why aren't you doing more things? And they'd always be the, well, we have to extend so-and-so and so-and-so. It's like, yeah, other teams have to extend those players too, but they still find a way to be aggressive and add more talent mm -hmm. uh, to the roster. So I actually think that's a very uh, fair criticism. Now, I will say this. I have the most boring GM take. And that's that, like, I think almost every GM in the league is pretty much the same. Like, I think there's all very little separating them. I think so much of these things are ownership questions over GM questions. Like, I don't know what kind of budget Jim Irsay was giving Chris Ballard. Now we're looking at it. It's like, wow, Jim Irsay is publicly the most unhinged owner in the NFL. <laughs> what was he like privately all those years with Chris yes. Ballard? Like may maybe Chris Ballard was doing an amazing job uh, given the parameters he was working with. So uh, I will say that that's something you don't uh, always know the details of. I mean, I think the GM job in 2023 is really a leadership position. You need to just talk to scouting. You need to talk to analytics. You need to talk to coaches. You need to talk to the owner. You have all these different factions uh, within your organization. You need to have good relationships with all of them, build up trust with all of them. And then ultimately you're the one in most cases making the final decision. So um, yeah, I feel like Chris Ballard is fine. Like if he were to GM another team, maybe he would do a good job. I don't think he'd be a train wreck. I'm not like, I agree with you. He was getting gassed up quite a bit uh, during that stretch where he was being kind of placed above uh, other GMs. So I, I think you're right uh, about that. I don't think that's a straw yeah. man, but yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he's fine. I think in a general, a general rule is if like a GM is being really hyped by the media, he's probably not that good. Not like he's probably good. Executive of the year is on your radar. I was when you, I'm like, this guy has like the executive of the year's memorized. You're just waiting for an executive of the year to then flop so then you can crush him. I kind of like well, it. I might start thing. doing that. That sounds fun. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about executive <laughs> of the year award, Shield. It's not hard. Most of these guys get fired. Like, I don't They I, always get fired. The, the, yeah. the Trent Balky into Ryan Grigson into John Dorsey into Mike McCagnan into Reggie McKenzie, like, all of these dudes lost their jobs within like two years of getting the award. But in, in general, it's just right. It's, it's, it's GMing, managing a team is making a lot of, of calculated risks, risks. You're trying to make positive expected value decisions, but inherently that's going to invite a lot of risk. The one guy whose dice land his way in, in, in the year 2023 
that'll become the, the GM du jour. That'll become the guy, right? Like, the, right now, it's Howie Roseman. Ask any Eagles fan how they felt about Howie Roseman, like, after the Jalen Hurts pick. Ask any Eagles fan how they felt about Howie Roseman in, like, the, the second year of Wentz, like, before they had the incredible season where they, like, the wide receiver room was a problem. Like, like it, it you're, you get right. hot for a year, and then you kind of fall to the wayside for the next new guy. It's a hard thing to nail down the quality of it. I agree. And that's the other reason why I say ownership plays such a role. Like that Ballard quote, I agree. That was such a telling quote. And like others have mm-hmm. sort of hinted at that type of thing. Like if I if I draft a quarterback and he stinks, you guys are going to kill me and I'm fired. Now, that's probably true in Chris Ballard's situation. In Howie Roseman's situation, like that's probably not true. You know, he's emboldened by Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, to take risks. He he. Took Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz played well. Then they gave him a big contract. Then he didn't play well. And they traded him. Like most GMs do not last that type of cycle where you draft the quarterback, pay the quarterback a lot of money, and then decide, shoot, we got to move out this quarterback. This quarterback stinks. And so, so much of it depends on organizational stability. Uh, how much is the owner involved? Wh- what does the owner want from the GM? Do they want you to take risks? Are they like, eh, we don't you know, necessarily want to do that. You're not going to last if this doesn't work out. Uh, so a lot of factors at play there. All right. Question number two. Rob says, hi, Sheil and Benjamin. Does anybody call you Benjamin? Does your mom call you Benjamin? When she's mad at me, yeah. Okay. Just when she's mad at you. All right. Are there, maybe I'll start doing that when I'm mad at you. Benjamin, <laughs> the Falcons are not winning the NFC South. That would really, right. that would, that would highlight the, uh, the, the nice little podcast two-man game we've got going on here of, uh, of adult in the room and kid in the room. Hi, Sheila and Benjamin. Are there any end of camp trades like uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to Philadelphia last year that you would like to see happen? It can be as realistic or fanciful. Love that word. Fanciful. Fanciful. As you'd like. Thanks for the excellent show. Uh, now, I will just say some guys who are uh, out there right now, Jonathan Taylor, I don't think uh, we've discussed specifically. I know I think Nora and Steven did discuss it. We haven't discussed kind of what's his market, where might he go, so we, we can touch on that with this question. And the other guy who's sort of on my radar, like, are we 100% sure Chris Jones is going to be back playing for the Kansas City Chiefs this year? Just like of all the holdouts, that's the one where like Andy Reid's right. get a little snippy about him. Chris Jones, if, if you didn't see, he responded to just a random person who asked him how long he's going to hold out. And I think he just responded week eight was his whole, was his whole uh, tweet there because that's where you still get credit for the year, I think, if you show up uh, in week eight. So those were a couple of guys I had kind of top of mind, but uh, take it anywhere you want with this question. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jones, like, I didn't include Chris Jones. I thought about including Chris Jones. There's a little voice in the back of my head that was like, if someone had come up to me before the Tyreek Hill trade, like 24 hours beforehand, had been like, Tyreek Hill's about to be traded, I would have been like, no. So right. it's it's not a, it's a non-zero percent chance. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I maybe it's because... I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'd like to see him be a Miami Dolphin. I'm here down. I'm in Miami right now. Uh, It makes a lot of sense for the team. I really think it does. Uh, They need their traditional running game to improve. Uh, They had good production out of Raheem Mostert and Jeff uh, Jeff Wilson last season just because of the light boxes that you get and how pass happy the team is and the way defenses are playing you. You introduce a Jonathan Taylor, you can really actually win by running the football. You can become now like truly multifaceted, multifarious in, in, in a way that this offense desperately needs to. They were too one-dimensional last year. He solves a lot of your problems. He, he can make sense as a long-term addition, and he can also make sense as a one-year rental, right? Where you bring him in, and the next season, you let him walk. You, or you have to re-sign Christian Wilkins and extend him. You have to extend Zach Sealer, 
and so you're not going to be active in free agency anyway. You can get a comp pick back for him. So I like. Well, that, well I think. Well, hold on. Now. I think that's a big question with Taylor. Do you think he's at the point where he says, "If I just want to get out of here and I'm fine playing somewhere, playing out the final year of my deal, and then figuring it out next season," or is part of the deal with the trade is that no, no, no. If you trade for Jonathan Taylor, like. He wants a new contract right now. I think that's kind of an unanswered question. I think you're probably yeah. right. He seems fed up with Indianapolis. And so, that's, yeah, yeah. maybe if he goes somewhere, maybe they agree, hey, you can't tag me after the season as part of the trade or something like that. Like I'll play because because he's very he's making 4.3 million this year. Like it's an affordable running back to add for pretty much any team uh, in the NFL. I think it's just a matter of, well, as part of that trade, is he saying, no, 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 you got to give me a big contract uh, as part of this. Yeah, I, I, there are two things that I think. The first is that Taylor, like this whole Taylor situation started because Jim Irsay was getting wild messy. And so like, if Taylor's just like, I would like to not be employed by Jim Irsay and like, just, you know, kind of middle finger to central Indiana as I leave, like I would get that. And then the second thing is I, that I would say to him, you know, were I in his camp and like there was an offer from the Dolphins on the table, I'd say like, hey, like you get to Miami, like you're going to produce like that. It's very easy to right. run the football in this offense. Let's go put up 1,400 yards and, and 11 touchdowns. Let's go hit the market, you know, because Taylor had a down year last year relative to his standards, you know, relative to what he achieved two seasons ago. So you just go and say, like, all right, go absolutely rip it up in Miami, and then we're going to we're gonna be able to hit the market. Your point although about the tag, I, tag is Although well I might say, hold on, I might say he might have a better chance to put up numbers. Do you think he definitely has a better chance to put up numbers in Miami compared to Indianapolis with the with the threat of Anthony Richardson there and you compare the two offensive lines like I, right. I don't know that it's so we have to define numbers right because yeah. whenever like like when you and I talk numbers we're talking like rushing yards over expectations success rate per rush when agents and teams talk numbers they talk total like total yards right touchdowns <laughs> um and obviously they're looking at they're looking at more specific stuff like teams have analytics departments they're they're they're, they're well caught up to all that uh but in general like what I would again like if I'm if I'm in his camp I'm saying like hey you're probably going to get less volume, which isn't a bad thing. And you're going to be more efficient on a down and down basis. And this offense is going to score a lot more, right? Than the Colts is the Colts is just that, that offense is going to have a lot it's of a better downs, team. Right? Yeah, exactly. Just straight out a better unit, better offense. And accordingly, you're going to put more points on the board. You're going to have more opportunity for these show out moments. You're going to play January football, potentially like I think it's a better spot for you. If you're again, eyeing free agency, but yeah, the tag is an important note, right? Like, Dolphins might like what they get from Jonathan Taylor and say, hey, congratulations, you're playing here next year for $10.04 million. And I don't know if JT's going to take well to that. So Taylor to Miami is, is, is the one I'm rooting for right now. If he ends up a Ram, I'm going to die laughing. Um, that's one of my trade options. Uh, one of my, one what do of you my, think? Uh, co co compensation for, uh, sorry to interrupt you, comp just compensation for Jonathan Taylor. So Christian McCaffrey went for a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth last season now christian mccaffrey was under contract for additional years there uh and there was mm -hmm. you know like a sean mcveigh uh kyle shanahan back and forth reportedly to acquire his services i think the equivalent of that if you look at the different trade charts it's kind of like a late first uh late first round pick when you add all of those up i think for taylor you're like a second round pick does that sound right to you when i when i was trying yeah. to figure it out okay First, yeah, firstly, as a general note, all trade packages should be as easy to remember as the Christian McCaffrey trade packages. A two, a three, a four, and a five. I love that. No more this year's first, next year's fourth, this year's fourth, and a conditional third. I can't remember all the numbers. Make it a pattern. 
two. I love this three, rule. Four. If, this five. is it. No, we just stumbled onto something. You cannot skip around. Yeah. So if you if it's a second and a fourth, sorry, the three has to be part of the deal. We don't want to remember. <laughs> right. You have to throw in the rounds in between. If that's annoying to you, like if it was a second and a seventh, and you're like, I'm not giving up three, four, five, and six. All right, then. Make it something else. You know, right. We're, we're not me yeah, in the middle. Make it a fourth and a fifth. Like I don't know. <laughs> you got a two fours. Like it's got to be the same number. Or they got to be an order. Like uh, help help out the 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 friends in the media. I'm on make trade packages easier to understand. Um, so I like uh I uh, I like a day two pick for Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think that you can make it conditional pretty easily, right? Where you basically like if you're the Colts, you say like okay, you know we'll take this pick. But if he rushes like fifteen hundred yards and ten touchdowns for you guys, like we would like some more, please, because we don't want to be that embarrassed. And you, as the acquiring team, you're like, yeah, like if he rushes for fifteen hundred for us, yeah, you can have whatever you want, Tiger. Like, sure, they feel better with your second second round pick instead of your third round pick over there. Um, why isn't every trade? Why doesn't every isn't every trade conditional? Who loses you on just a fix conditional NFL trade? trades on this podcast? Just yeah, forget I mean, the rest like, of the mailbag because the Taylor trades. thing is so true. It's like, all right, it's going to be a floor of this, but it can get to a ceiling of this if he has a monster season. Who doesn't win there? Both teams. That's better for them. You're mitigating some of your risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, fans, media, you're like, oh my gosh, if he gets to 1,300 yards here, that moves up to a second round pick. I wonder if Mike McDaniel's going to take him out and put Raheem most like everybody wins in that. All right, another right, one. Exactly. Yeah, I think we have fixed think, trades. Yeah, I think right. I think what it needs to be is is there's a committee of like ex-GMs, ex-coaches, media members. That's like the trade value committee, the trade, the trade conditions committee, the TCC, we're calling them. And what happens is the Colts and the Niners, or excuse me, the Colts and the uh, whatever the name are, the, the, the Dolphins, Dolphins agree on a trade. We're going to send Taylor to Miami and then they come to the committee and they say, OK, what are the conditions going to be? And we were like, OK, if he does X, Y and Z, right, all pro first round pick. If he does this, this pro bowl, second round pick, we lay out all the conditions. And then you just spend the entirety of January of December football just trying to game the system as the coach. Everybody's dialed in week 18. Just who's (laughs) going to hit their contract incentives for production and who's going to hit their, their trade values. It'd be so funny to make that like, just tag that onto the end of the season. We are solving trades in the NFL. Uh, all these ideas, by the way, for free. League office that's listening in. We're just throwing this out here. Not even rate review and subscribe. That's all. Yeah. Send us an email. Okay. So my second player that I want to see get (laughs) traded in camp. Um, the Cardinals are on a bit of a fire sale. Uh, Isaiah Simmons goes for a seventh round pick to the New York Giants. As we're recording right now, offensive tackle Josh Jones got straight to the Houston Texans. I haven't seen compensation for that. It literally just happened like five minutes ago. I didn't see that. Uh, yeah. So the, uh, the guy that I would be calling the Cardinals for, if I were a good team, would be Buda Baker. Uh, 27, going to turn 28-year-old safety. Uh, he's on an extension for them, right? So it's a, he's got $13 million right now base salary. And then his deal is technically up at the end of the season. He has like a, a restructure year that's that's holding some bonus money next year. So you're looking at a guy in an expiring contract, somebody that that you know this Cardinals defensive staff, Jonathan Gannon, uh, Nick Rallis, didn't necessarily they inherited him. They didn't obviously select him. Great player. Um, I think the Green Bay Packers are an awesome landing spot for Buda Baker. Uh, their safety room right now is in dire straits. They've been trying to replace Darnell Savage. He is now their best safety. That's not the way it usually goes when you're like we need to get this guy off the field. They said today that they're going to start Rudy Ford, which is not where you want to be as a team, as a defense. Um, I think they're a really good candidate for uh, um, for Buda Baker. I also think the Chiefs are a great candidate for Buda Baker. That's a Steve Spagnolo defensive back, if I've ever seen one. Lineup and blitz, like a, a, a you know, like an absolute banshee coming from depth. 
good cover guy. He can also play deep middle, rotate around. They just lost one Thornhill in free agency. Pair him with Justin Reed. I think there's a lot to like there. Uh, and so Buda Baker's a dude that I, I, I would definitely be calling the Cardinals about. And I've seen them kind of sell the way that they are. And then the Trey Lance landing spot that I like the most. Uh, if, you're, if you're trying to find a home for the, uh, the, the cast off X third overall pick San Francisco situation. Uh, I think the Buccaneers are the best spot. I just think that's where you're going to get the most snaps. I don't mind the Falcons. Uh, and, 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 and okay, if Ritter's bad, like maybe throw him in there. But I feel like they're much more likely to throw Heineke in and try to win games. Uh, and so to me, like, I think the Bucks are the best possible spot, like Titans, Vikings, Texans. I don't think there's any snaps for him. And if you're acquiring Trey Lance, you have to be acquiring him on the theory that you're going to let him play. Like, at some point, you're going to try to get him out there because if you're not going to put him out there, there's literally no point acquiring him. Like he, he, all of the Trey Lance questions are just totally unanswerable because he just has not played football. And so you have to get him out there and you have to get him reps. Uh, so the Buccaneers would be the team that if anybody's going to go acquire Trey Lance before camp cutdowns, which I, I'd be surprised if that happens. I think the Niners are going to have to hold him and then see what happens midseason. Uh, I'd say the Buccaneers are the team to do it. I think we disagree a little bit on Lance, but we have a Lance question later, so we'll get to it then. Uh, Buda hmm. Baker, they did they did kind of rework his deal uh, a little bit. So he's signed through 2024. Um, so he oh. it, it's this yeah it's this year and the following year he got a little raise he got a little incentives and bonuses this year it doesn't seem like they gave in a bunch but um he is signed for one more they they just did that in uh in late July there but it, that listen that doesn't mean he can't uh he can't still get traded if some team comes calling one of the two salary cap websites does not have a base salary down for him in 2024 and so I thought it was just option stuff but then the other one does so i was just on yeah. the wrong one and you guys can google and find out which there you go uh chris jones let, let's say chris jones does become available some teams i wrote down would the seattle seahawks be interested in a heartbeat in a heartbeat right? and they'd win the and they'd win the nfc absolutely let's do it <laughs> yeah that that was the first name that was the first team i wrote down i know pete carroll has been chasing that interior pass rusher now they signed draymond, draymond jones and, and chris jones in there now you're Talking a little bit with uh with Dude, that defensive Chris Jones, line. Draymond Jones, Uchenna Nuosu, and Blank is a front. Oh, mom, that's a front. Yeah. So that was one uh, that I wrote down. What about the Detroit Lions? Are they serious about like like winning right now? I mean, they could use a little uh, little interior pass rush. They've little, totally got a little, bunch of young guys up there. Week one season opener revenge game for Chris oh, Jones. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, four and a half sacks against Patrick Mahomes. Just <laughs> a man on fire. Um, Ali McNeil and what like John Kaminsky, like Isaiah Bugs. Yeah, I mean it's so it's weird because McNeil, who's their one good guy at defensive tackle, totally recomped his body this year, dropped like twenty pounds to play three technique. So if you go get Chris Jones, you kind of go to Ali McNeil and you're like, hey, can you? put all the mass back yeah, on. you're like, go eat, <laughs> go have a meal, man. Thanks for your hard work, yeah. but don't sweat it. He'll be the happiest yeah. guy in Detroit. Um, but yeah, they, they, it's, so it's, it's a little bit of a square fit, but the level of talent, uh, which they desperately need on the defensive line, I think you can't argue with it. So they'd be interested for sure. And then my last one that, of course, I have to uh, bring up to you, uh, your boy Howie calls up his old boys, Andy Reid and Brett Veach, and says, just wondering, would you be interested in Jalen Carter for Chris Jones oh. straight up? Who says no? Oh, man. I Chiefs mean, get so Jalen Carter on a rookie deal. 
Okay, they're paying Did back. Use you know, money for Chris Jones. I listen. Well, don't worry about that. You can figure out. You can always figure out uh, a salary cap stuff. Don't worry about the money. You can, yeah, because you're signing him to a new deal. You can pay him one million dollars this year if you want, and give him a huge signing I mean, bonus that that voids for th- the next twelve years, like they always do. Okay, well, I'm there's a defensive tackle who was recently on the Eagles who just got a massive extension, and they couldn't That's figure true. that out for him. Yeah, well, I feel like if they could do that and they wanted to do that, they would have done it for Hargrave. Um. I mean, I'm asking think, you who says Eagles, no. Don't duck the question. I think right, I was gonna. I was about to answer it. I think the Eagles say no. I think the Eagles would rather have the production on the rookie deal, uh, because that's where they need to be financially right now. Mm, with the Super Bowl window open right now, he says stick with Jalen Carter. All right, I had to ask you. Uh, that was I, I, maybe we landed on the Seahawks. Now I don't know what that would take. Uh, it would be certainly uh, a mm-hmm. first round pick and more for Chris Jones, but hey, if the Chiefs say we're not paying you what you want to be paid, let's move yeah. on. Andy Reid has um, done that in the past. Yeah, there's one team that would be knocking down the doors, kicking doors in, screaming for Chris Jones, but they would never get him off the Chiefs, and that's the Bills. Uh, Correct. The, I was like, the, they're not trading him today. If, yeah, yeah I, exactly. I had the same yeah. thought. No, that it, it's just Brandon Bean just calling Brett Veach every hour on the hour, <laughs> and every time he sees a Buffalo area code being like, nope. <laughs> All right, let's take, I mean, that, that was quite a long first segment for two questions. We're going to have to be a little quicker. So let's take a, let's take a break and we will come back with question number three. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. What are some of the bets I'm looking at? You know, I like the Seahawks over, if you've been listening to the pod, eight and a half wins. And I like the Raiders under. I think that Raiders team is going to struggle this year, maybe win about six games, go six and 11, and then figure out where they're going to go from there. But you can bet on anything you like, futures, long shots, whatever. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer NFL and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. All right. We are back on extra point taken. Question number three. Morgan says, you both know ball, and the show is great. Keep it up. Here's my question. Morgan, thank you. How many current NFL quarterbacks do you think could have started for the Eagles and still kept the offense top eight Ooh. or higher last Ooh. year, assuming the relative health, defensive results, and schedule are the same as actually happened? So this is an interesting question. We usually don't talk a lot of Eagles on this show because we talk a lot of Eagles on uh, Philly Special, but I thought this was an interesting question because yeah. it gets to the, the, the heart of... 
How much is Jalen Hurts doing for the Eagles offense? How much is the Eagles offense doing for Jalen Hurts? So I don't know if you've gone through yet or you want me to start on this one. I mean, I was just going to, I'm going, I'm going off the ringers quarterback rankings. Check it out. QB rankings at the ringer.com. And like, I was going to go off the top. Let's, let's agree on the easy ones. Mahomes, obviously. Yes. Burrow, obviously. Yes. Josh Allen, obviously. Yes. Justin Herbert, obviously. Yes. Lamar Jackson, obviously. Yes. I think those, that that's the end of the obviously's, right? Um, well, no, I, this is interesting. I would argue so, tra- so I, I had two others as obvious yeses and not Lamar Jackson as one of the obvious yeses. Okay, well, you, you and I will disagree about Lamar Jackson. Until we have another question about Lamar Jackson later. I had Trevor Lawrence and Dak yeah. Prescott. I think if, if those okay. guys are quarterbacking last year's uh, Eagles offense, like, again, it's not saying it's as good as, it's saying, is it top eight? I think it is top eight. And then I had most likely, probably, yes, Lamar. And I, I even had Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I was going to say, Rodgers is a guy that I okay. would say with that level of talent, Devontae and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Great like, offensive Rogers. line. Yeah. yeah, that's top eight. Okay, so that right there is how many guys? That's All eight right, guys. So we have, we have eight, and that's, that's actually where I landed, eight. Now, there are other guys, I, I don't know, do you want to make a case for Matthew Stafford, for Deshaun Watson, for Derek Carr, for Cousins, for Tua, for Daniel Jones? Someone, I mean... Like if you if you wanted to come yeah. in hot and say Daniel Jones could have had that Eagles offense in the top eight, I actually don't think that's nuts. Daniel Jones's Giants offense was what ninth last year and had nowhere yeah, like, near the I, level I, of talent. Gino, you could make the case if, for. Like, so I felt good about those me, first eight. Were like locks. Know, uh, all, all I really feel strongly on. about it. But if, if a couple of those other guys you wanted to convince me, I would be like, yeah, okay, I could see that. I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, I um. Daniel Jones is one where it's like, do I think it could be top eight? Yes. Am I putting all the money in my bank account on yes or no and I have to pick one? I'm probably picking no, but like it's it's not outside the realm of possibility. Um the 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 two names that I that I thought of right away as like fence guys for me were one, like actual healthy is really playing Kyler, right? Like I think that Kyler in that Eagles offense, just in terms of like keeping the structure relatively the same. You lose a little bit on the quarterback sneak, like sure, because obviously Hurts is squatting 600 pounds. I think still the short yardage game is working. I think the passing game is still working at extremely high level. Like to me, that, that that's that that's a pretty nice, easy fit. And the skill sets are similar enough that I think it's, it's going to work. So Kyle Very there, different in terms the, of setting the tone for the building reputation as like a sure. grinder, all, all those things. But if we're talking just offensive efficiency, okay, yeah. I can get there. The stipulation, the stipulation of the question was everything else is the same schedule, defense, offense. So like that to me, that's like Jace Kelsey, AJ Brown, like everybody's still like grinding and like, you know, whatever. You're just like putting the skill sets in. So that that's the guy. And then, yeah, the other guy for me that I was thinking of was Stafford, where like we just didn't see healthy Stafford last year. I don't know if you're pulling in like. How how beat up is Stafford's elbow, like what health of Stafford are we getting? But yeah. I don't want to have too short term of a memory to not remember what Stafford just recently looked like in, in that McVay offense where like the arm talent is still insane, right? The uh, the aggressiveness, the throwing the ball downfield. It's hard for me to think that a passing that this, this pass protection with these pass catching weapons and Matthew Stafford back there isn't just absolutely shredding the league to pieces just from a pure aerial attack perspective and running attack wise, obviously a drop off, but the Eagles should still be good because of the line. So Staff, like Stafford and Kyler are the ones where I start to think like, probably still top eight like daniel jones also yeah you're right belongs in there um fields is an interesting one but i think it's a no i think it's a no 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would, I, from 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 a running game perspective, I would like to see it. But I think right. overall, it's a no. But they were on opposite ends of the spectrum, just in terms of negative plays last year. Again, totally different circumstances. But like you know, Jalen Hurts really took care of the ball, uh, that kind of thing. And Justin Fields had the highest sack rate. Uh, of any quarterback in the last 20 years. All right, so I think we land somewhere between 8 and 12 for that question. All right, speaking of Lamar, Troy asks, my says, my dad, as well as many of my other friends, are not nearly as high on Lamar as I am because, quote, his playing style doesn't last, unquote, or they don't, quote, trust him on third and seven when the defense knows he's going to pass, unquote. I've heard you guys rave many times about how Lamar is a very good passer, so I was wondering where this perception came from and why many rank Lamar below Jalen Hurts on their QB list when it seems like Lamar is better in almost every aspect from what I've heard. So uh, kind of a a multitude of questions in that uh, one question from Troy. Take it in uh, in any direction you like, and then I'll sort of give give my take on on those uh, topics. Yeah, so it's it's... I think it like we should start by saying that to a degree it's understandable that like the the Lamar questions are are understandable, right? Like this the the presentation of this sort of a quarterback, right? Uh first you have a mobile quarterback and then secondly like a mobile quarterback who's slight, right? Who's like not like, you know, built like Cam, built like Jalen Hurts. Uh is that okay? Like they're not going to be as good in like traditional dropback situations where uh the the threat of them running is not nearly as as a uh, as legitimate, right? And then they're also going to have uh, uh, banged up like problems. They're going to have health issues because of their play style. Like this, these have been tropes for a long time, and they've especially been true, uh, like for 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 mobile quarterbacks of the last like 10, 15 years. It's 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 not borne out in the data, and our perspectives on mobile quarterbacking, mobile quarterbacks are changing rapidly. Um, we know now that like the majority of quarterback injuries happen in the pocket when the quarterback is immobile. And like when a quarterback is mobile and he's outside of the pocket, that quarterback will sustain injuries the way that running backs and wide receivers will sustain injuries, right? Where they're trying to cut or they take on contact, but it's, it's not adding on. It's not a multiplying effect to the amount of times they get injured, like relative to quarterbacks who just hang out in the pocket. Because it's not like they get the pocket injuries and then the out-of-pocket injuries. They escape the pocket. They're, they, they avoid a lot of the pocket injuries because they're legitimate athletes who know how to fall. They know how to take contact. They know how to avoid contact and make it glancing. It's your Ryan Tannehills and your Matthew Staffords and your Carson Wentz's. These guys who are like statues in the pocket and just take shot after shot after shot. Ben Roethlisberger with the 19 ice packs strapped to him. Those are the guys who are more legitimate injury risks on a games-lost basis because they don't have the responses to pressure that they need to survive the pocket. Like that's what we see over data long term, right? So I think like Lamar injury perspectives, that's where you end up looking like. When you look at Lamar third down passing numbers, you get a guy who's still funked like he's still like a legitimately good NFL passer, right? Like the, over the course of the last four seasons on third down, he's like between 10 and 20 among among uh quarterbacks in most metrics. He's not like a league leader, but he's not one of the worst. This in an offense that's been built for the running game. That's not been built for receivers to win in isolation. It's not been built with a, a variety of passing concepts. If you go from a film perspective and you look at Lamar when he's in traditional passing ideas or when he was at Louisville and he was running a Bobby Petrino NFL style pocket passing offense, this guy is, is a legitimate passer and always has been. It, the, the offense was not built to be in third and seven. It was built to be in third and threes. Every time they were in third and seven, they didn't have the, the systemic solutions uh, to, to solve that problem it wasn't as much on Lamar's shoulders. And I think that's what we're going to see borne out a lot in Todd Monken's season. So like 
I want to like like again like emphasize like Lamar like really truly does represent a changing perspective on how we think about quarterbacking, right? And how we think about quarterbacks being mobile. Like there was like a there was a Cam Newton moment and there was a Robert Griffin the third moment and there was a Colin Kaepernick moment and like in the 2010s we've been having that we've been knocking up against this door, but then we had a cat get drafted 32 overall and then the next season win MVP, right? Like he was Lamar was a legitimate sensation in terms of 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 how we think about that this um this position and how it's played. So it like it's going to be a thing where like people default to their expectations for Lamar and how he plays and the running game that he needs to be in and say like this is the, these are the tropes this is how we've always thought about these quarterbacks I, over time and over data collected over like lots of different quarterbacks it really isn't true like i think that and i think that like i said that's becoming more of like a the um prevailing mindset but this is a big limit test here for Lamar especially on the like the third and seventh half of the passing down stuff they're going to have a more traditional passing attack they're going to have more traditional receivers and I expect to see him be one of the better third down passing quarterbacks accordingly. Uh, that, however, remains to be found out. That remains to be emphasized. I'm, I got a ton of faith in it. I know that, like, Sheila, you end up more so on, like, the I want to wait and see perspective of it. So we'll see. Like, this is a big year for Lamar. Yeah, I, I like Lamar a lot. I think there are, you know, areas of football discourse where he gets discredited and is underrated. And I think there's areas where he gets, like, I, I'm not at the point where I'm, like, 100% sure. It's going to work based on kind of what you said. You know, we've seen this off passing offense, um, you know, to, to Troy's dad or friends or whoever, like it's not, those aren't wild takes because this passing offense at times in the last two to three years has looked completely disjointed where it's like, wait, did these guys just meet each other in the parking lot like 15 minutes before the game and are like, Let, let's go play a football game. Like it's looked completely disorganized. It's looked like they don't have answers when a defense is doing certain things. And so I, I think when you watch it on TV, especially if it's like a national TV game, I think those impulses are fair. I also think what you're saying is fair as well. How much of that is actually on Lamar Jackson when you look at the scheme he was playing in, the surrounding talent or lack thereof uh, at wide receiver? It's hard to look at it and say, no, 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 they've put, you know, he's got great pieces around him and he's the issue here. That's why this is going to be so fun to watch him play for a coordinator who's going to install uh, this type of offense. So, uh, I mean, Lamar has just accomplished, like we talk about all these other quarterbacks uh, like Herbert and uh, other guys, like what Lamar has accomplished is way more than almost all these guys. And I know it hasn't been playoff wins, but he's through his age 25 season, he's won an MVP. He has gotten the Ravens to the playoffs four times in five seasons. Ben, they have a, they're 45 and 16 in the regular season with Lamar as their quarterback. Now I'm not, we're, we are not like a QB wins operation. Typically, I know they have good special teams and they've had good defenses, but come on. I mean, 74% of your wins with one quarterback over that period of time, like the quarterback is doing something right. He's already one of the most prolific, dynamic rushing quarterbacks in NFL history. And again, this is through his age 25 season. So uh, I think that's why he's a fun player to watch uh, this year and in years ahead. Now, is there a chance that we look at it and go, ooh, this passing offense still doesn't look great. And they added Todd Bunkin and they added Odell Beckham Jr. And it's like, all right, maybe there are uh, some limitations here with uh, with Lamar, things he needs to work on to kind of get to that next level. Like, I think that's a possibility going into this season. I, I wouldn't say it's likely. I think I've said my expectations for the Ravens are could get, look a little ugly early in the season. I think as the season goes on, they're going to be a team where you say, okay, now things are starting to click um, if they stay healthy. So uh, I don't know that we answered the Every aspect of the question, but I, I think that pretty much sums up uh, how we feel about Lamar going into this season. All right. Question number five. Jerry asks, 
or says, I appreciate Ben's recent tweets on Trey Lance's injuries and the questionable <laughs> development past of the 49ers. But setting aside pending 2023 performance, can we write in Sharpie now that Justin Fields should have been the second quarterback, not necessarily the second player, the second quarterback drafted in 2021? I get most of the reasons for his fall and the Wilson Lance rise, but is this class another example of teams getting too cute with QBs and short-term success uh, slash good workouts? All right, there's many layers to this question. So I went and I looked at your tweet, and this is what I was referencing earlier. I very much disagreed with one statement from your tweet where you said, it's yeah, it was, it was poorly, it was poorly worded. I worded oh, the tweet. Okay. I put, right. I worded well, then, the tweet it's, no, then yeah. it's not even fun. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I was, I was up against <laughs> characters and I was, I was tweeting during dolphin scam and it was a bad tweet. Um, right. here's my, here's my official take on Trey Lance. <laughs> if you, if like, I think here's, here's how I would frame it. Whatever opinion you had of the Trey Lance, of the Niners decision to trade up for a quarterback and then their subsequent decision to draft Trey Lance at three over like a Mac Jones and a Justin Fields. I, I struggle to like see how you can be much different off of that original take because so much of Lance's career has just been like, well, he's hurt. Like he didn't play in year one. They didn't play him. And then in year two, he broke his leg. And like and 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 that's that's the whole story on him, right? Like I think Yeah, but you, what about right now? Like I don't think that's the whole story on him. Like right now, he is healthy, right? And he can't beat out Sam Darnold. For the backup job, he can't beat out Brock Purdy for the starting job with a coach in Kyle Shanahan, who is like the guy we give all this credit for, for he can build an offense and right. make it work. So I think it's more than injuries. Did you see John Lynch's comments today? What did he say? John Lynch gave a quote to a radio station. I apologize. I, I can't recall what it is. I'll, I'll, I'll go find it. Um, where he said, you know, like Trey did a lot of, a lot of great stuff for us. We saw him really grow this year especially in an offense that wasn't catered to what he does well and 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 really didn't kind of highlight his strengths. John Lynch! But that's that's the thing, right? Is is 2022 uh 2022 Trey Lance comes out in that Bears game, right? And then that that subsequent Seahawks game and they're running like I've I've clips on my on my on my timeline. They're running split back gun, triple option, this that and the other thing baby is RG3 film. It's the college stuff it's the read it's, it's everything it's the coolest trey lance exactly how you would build it and they're doing that in week two against the seahawks he gets hurt and they put jimmy in there and they go back to the jimmy offense and then brock gets in there and, and they're in an iteration of the jimmy offense this year you know there was there was no like last year's training camp was we're building this offense around trey this year's training camp was we're building this offense around purdy and uh, around his skill set and we're going to see if trey lance could fit into that offense uh yes or no and so i hear you on he couldn't beat out Sam Darnold. Like, absolutely, like, Trey's level of play right now is not where you want it to be for a third-year player. And the, the Niners know they need a more functional backup because they're the 49ers. Their quarterback's not going to start all season. That's just the law of the land. Um, yeah. But I do think there's mitigating circumstances there as to why Lance is not a fit at QB2 for the Niners right now. Yeah, I think two things are true here. First of all, like, I don't really have a problem with what the 49ers did in the first place. We were just talking about Ballard and, oh, he's too afraid yeah. to take a swing. Like sometimes you get to a point and you're like, let's take a swing on a quarterback. I and totally I think that's agree. fine. And it's not always going to work out. I actually thought like, I wasn't like Trey Lance is amazing, but I thought Trey Lance was a fine prospect. I wasn't like, what are they doing taking Trey yeah. Lance? I you remember at the time it was, there was all the Mac Jones smoke. And then I was like, oh good. They took Trey Lance. I couldn't like, agree more. There is so we feel good much. About. There is so much history, editing yeah. of the past where people are like, 
I can't believe they took a guy that had this few experience. Like, yo, we all loved that guy. Like, I don't know. Like, obviously, there he had some detractors. Yeah. Like, that's fine. But everybody was was thrilled about it. And and I think I agree. Like, it was again in the moment in which it happened. It was right for the Niners at the time. Right. Uh, if your coach and and his offensive system can get high floor offense out of mediocre quarterbacks why would you spend a first round pick on a quarterback at all like just go draft your Kirk Cousins and go draft your Jimmy Garoppolo's in the second round and the fourth round and never spend a first round pick on a quarterback like if that's the way that you want to live the Niners said we don't want to live this way we want to go get a quarterback that has premier physical tools that can not give us a high floor offense but can give us a high ceiling offense we want to push through the NFC championship barrier get to the Super Bowl and win it right and in doing so selected a guy with cardinal traits, right? Like Kyle Shannon had the quote after the Bills lit the Niners up where he was like, the dude can just do stuff that nobody else can do. And in order to get that guy, you have to spend a first round pick. So they they rolled dice. They 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 took a gamble based off the idea that it was the only way for them to vault into the next level of playing football. Lo and behold, it didn't work and what happened? The Niners went to the NFC Championship game because Kyle can get that out of a 7th round pick at quarterback. So I I I think they were very justified in in their perspe- perception on the on the decision. It really didn't work out for them. And that's where Kyle Shanahan, the player developer, has to come under fire a little bit. Like Kyle Shanahan, the personnel manager, tends to be like, trade up for a guy. He's cool. He's good. And like they did that a little bit with Trey, and that deserves its 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 attention. I think a lot of attention belongs on Kyle Shanahan, the player developer, who Kyle tends to not have the patience for the youths on offense that maybe he needs to. Well, maybe it's also possible that they took a swing and Trey Lance isn't very good and that he doesn't right. have an NFL career and he's just not good enough. I mean, like Kyle Shanahan wa- has watched him every day uh, at practice and you going into this season and is going off a eight game sample with Brock Purdy. So I think there are different um, different things in play there. So I, I think it was a fine decision at the time to take a swing. I think you can't say it's anything but a disaster. And when you give up all that draft capital and the guy's not even going to be on your team at this point. Now they kind of got saved if Brock Purdy can play. Like that that's the big thing. If Brock Purdy can like be the quarterback they want on a rookie contract, then it's not going to hurt them as much, but it's still going to kind of hurt them because you don't have those picks to kind of add to the roster um around that guy. So that that's sort of uh how I look at it. Now in terms of is Justin Fields sh- you know should have been the sec definitely the second quarterback. I didn't like I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know what your if you remember what your rankings were at the time. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, what are you doing taking Trey Lance over Justin Fields? I thought that was fine. I I had I had just real Fields ranked very highly. I thought Justin Fields should have been the second overall pick. I think like firstly, the the Jets Zach Wilson pick to me is still like I have no idea how you got there. That was the one that that for at the time for me spun my head way more than the Trey Lance pick at three did. Um and I think, yeah, like at at this point. Like knowing what we know now, Justin Fields should have been probably the second pick at quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence. It doesn't mean I was right. I thought Fields was going to be like really good, and I think Fields is just like kind of the best of the rest after Lawrence. So he's, I think he still should have been the second guy. And 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 the the details of the question, uh, you know, not falling for the eye candy, not overthinking the process, just kind of keeping it simple, stupid. Like this guy was really productive at Ohio State. He's got great measurables. Let's put him out there and and and, and play. That's got some credence to it. I definitely think that, like, as we always say, the draft process is just too long. You just end up making mistakes because you just spend so long thinking about all this. You talk yourself into corners and you, you yeah. make moves and you get impatient. Um, but I don't think that it was teams getting too wise or, or too, too cute, too smart and, and over the top when it came to these picks. I think there was Justin Fields' doubt that was misplaced in terms of, like, 
uh, you know, what he's going to be like as a worker and as a processor that knocked him down the board. And while he's had processing speed problems in the NFL, he's like, he's got a slower process in the pocket you'd like. They still have a great offense out of him because they can they can get great offense out of him intermittently, right? Er- erratically because of the, the physical tools. And that, that was the thing that, you know, you, sh- you take Justin Fields too because he's built like Cam and can throw the ball 65 yards. You figure out the rest of it when you get home. Yeah, I mean, I'm not willing to go as far as Jerry. I like Justin Fields is a very high variance player. I don't know how this is going to go. He could be a superstar or it could never happen for him. I mean, he is so many negative plays, but man, when he's doing mm-hmm. the fun stuff, he's like one of the most exciting uh, players in the NFL. So again, a key player to watch. And by the way, not to, I don't want to be like the Mac Jones defender, but like, I was going to ask if, like, if you, uh, percent- yeah. if you, if you start a franchise tomorrow, you're taking Mac, you're taking Fields. Uh, I'm taking Fields because Fields has the upside, and I believe in swinging for the fences at quarterback because that's how you really hit the lottery. Uh, if you get one of those guys, everything else is so much easier, and it's sustained sec- success. But if you ask me, like, what's the percentage that you know Mac Jones has more right like, top eight eighteen starter seasons than Justin Fields? Like that to me is kind of like a, yeah. a toss up. Like I think Mac so, Jones right. is going to be okay and like a competent starter, but I would yeah. swing for the fences to answer your question. Yeah. So se- second half of the question then, uh, if you have to win a football game tomorrow, one game, you take a Mac, you're taking <laughs> Justin Fields. What is my, who is my coach? Um, if you have to win a football game tomorrow, <laughs> one game, Field I would Mac. take Fields. I would say I think yes. Fields okay, would good. be the guy who, like, like on the Tuesday of game planning week, the opposing, uh, I, I do the armpit test, as you know, the opposing the defensive coordinator is like, shoot, all right, I, my, my, my uh, pits are sweating a little bit. I got to think about how to slow down Justin Fields when he gets into scramble mode and then throws one seven. Like, uh, so yes, uh, I, we would, are going to uh, hear take, about this uh, anti Max slander, brother. I promise you that. Was that a, I thought that was, I thought that was a very realistic and generous Max segment. Maybe not. All right. Uh, let's take another break here. I don't know if this mailbag is ever going to end. I'll just be honest. Uh, I got other stuff to do, but at some point today I might not sleep, but um, at this pace, we might just go on for like three more days. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back on extra point taken. I have five more questions. I don't know if we're going to get through five more questions. Right, at this speed road. Be like Here we three go. More hours. Let's see. All right. Paul says ranking NFL players in terms of value is super hard because unlike say in the NBA, value varies so much by position. In a ranking uh, of players, just according to contribution to winning, not abstract awesomeness. I feel like that's for you. Uh, who is the first non QB listed, and what is his rank? Well, funny you should ask that, uh, Paul. I'm actually working on an exercise right. that almost does this, this exact thing. And right now, I would say I would say Micah Parsons, and yep. I would say number seven is where... Ooh. Now, it's not, it's not the exact same exercise, uh, to be clear. Yeah. There are other quarterbacks who contribute more to winning. This is more like who has the most value. Um, so I actually think it would probably be down more probably in the teens or, you know, between 10 and 15, if I'm answering his question. And I think Parsons is the guy. I think you could make a case for Justin Jefferson for sure. Uh, And I think you could even make a case for Miles Garrett. Those were, those are the three guys uh, I would say. What do you think, Ben? I also would say Parsons. I also, yeah, I said, Ooh, at seven, he'd be in like the teens for me, right? Like it's a weird sentence to say, but like 
Geno Smith is remarkably more impactful to winning games than Michael Parsons is. Like, so is like Derek Carr. Like, that's just weird. Like, I, I don't even agree with that as I say it, but it's just kind of true. Um, the one player that came, immediately came to mind for me in terms of 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 guys that that are on the shortlist that you didn't say is is still Aaron Donald. Um, it because we we default I think to edges and wide receivers because of how important positions they are. They contribute to the passing game premium position. But it is worth remarking how much better Donald is than the average replacement defensive tackle, right? Like how unique his skill set is really does have a high impact on winning games because while the yes in the aggregate the defensive tackle does not impact winning as much as edge rusher does. Donald is the exception that proves the rule. The and because yeah. he's so much more valuable above replacement, I still think there's a really, really good argument that it's Donald, not Parsons, um, who, who gets put in that, in, in that spot. Um, but I think, yeah, like uh, uh, Parsons, Donald and Garrett were the immediate first three that came to mind. Jefferson, obviously incredible, but there's like six other receivers names you could say here. And that's there's the thing. There's so like, many good wide receivers yeah, right now. It's you, you incredible. Just, yeah. You have, three wide receivers on the field instead of two edge rushers and two defensive tackles, right? So there's just like a ton more dudes. And then just the, the caliber of receiver play, like the, the ceiling of it is just crowded with guys versus I think there's a little bit more thinness at edge and a defensive tackle respectively. Th- those are the dudes that came to mind. Also, abstract awesomeness is, yeah, I know that was for me. I was going to like argue that yeah. I didn't no, need no, that no, reminder, that but yeah, yeah I don't I did, even I did, try I did, it. I did, yeah. Uh, no, Donald, yeah, that's true with Donald. I feel like we've sort of forgotten about Donald a little bit just because he missed six games uh, last season. But if this is just for this season, then yes, absolutely. He could win like defensive player of the year and have 13 Mm -hmm. sacks. And we're going, oh, okay. He just was a little injured last year. That's all. He's only 32 years old. All right. Seven. I think this will be a quick one. Eric asks, why is Ben too cowardly to bet on Kenny Pickett for MVP? I actually have a follow-up here. But if you want to answer that, go ahead. Because he's not going to win it. Because he's not going <laughs> to produce enough and the Steelers aren't going to win enough games. All right? Uh, I'm not sure about that second part. I agree on the first part. I'm not positive on the second part. So, Ben, are we... Now, we last episode decided on the Packers as our team this year, the extra point taken team this year. Did you see they named Sean Clifford their backup quarterback uh, today? Matt LaFleur confirmed. Oh, yes. No. Ever since we've named the Packers our team, they've done a lot of things I haven't liked. <laughs> <laughs> So was that like, I was just asking, was that like an ink when we named them our team? Was that final? Was there, <laughs> were, there lawyer, were there lawyers present? Because when he did ask this, I'm like, you know, I threw the pack, I threw the Steelers out there to Ben. Ben said no uh, on the Steelers, but I just, you well, know, wanted to see how you're feeling about it now. I'm still feeling fine. My, I was okay. on a FaceTime with my family the other day because it was my, my parents' wedding anniversary yesterday. And my sister and my father, the, the Steelers fans of the family, both they threatened to send in an email for this mailbag because yes. they want they, they're very upset about my Steelers defense ranking uh, not 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 a top 10 defense uh, in, in one of our previous episodes they were 11th by the way and I said it was very difficult to have them out of the top 10 I don't know if you have this experience how many football fans you have in your family I hop on like a family FaceTime within five minutes it's like can you believe last week Ben said this about the oh my Ben said this it was ridiculous I'm just sitting there taking it just it's your family there's nothing you can do um yeah, but anyway, so I, I thought the sec the follow up was going to be from my 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 Steelers fan family, but no, I um like I think the Steelers are are going to be fine. I don't think rooting for the Steelers is going to be as fun, both in a good direction and a bad direction, as rooting for the Packers will be. Listen, all I'll say is next week we are going through the NFC in one episode, naming our division winners, wild card teams, playoff picture, and then we're going through the AFC in the other episode and doing the same exercise. 
uh, I would just say Papa Solak and Sister Solak, tune into the. the uh, you might yeah. have a new favorite podcast. Hey, host, pick, uh, picking the uh, picking the, the Steelers to win the division. Uh, there, I didn't Kenny say Pickett that. MVP. I, I did. I didn't say that. I just, uh, you know, I think part of part of the qualifications uh, for the for an MVP, I think he might hit that, and the other part, he might not hit that. I kind of like the Steelers. All right, eight. Kang Daddy. Now I wasn't sure. All right, so this he says, "Good day, blokes." Aussie expat here. Now, do you think like is this a legit Aussie or is this someone with an Aussie? Per- I'll read the whole thing and then you can answer. I don't know okay. if this is someone with an Aussie persona, when, like online persona from like Wyoming, or if this is an actual Aussie. So let's. When see. did he you? Says, when did you receive the email? Uh, great question. I'll I'll, uh, yeah. I'll look that up. We got we got to do we got to do some time yeah, zone fine. checks. I can't remember. I don't know if it was a tweet or an email, so we'll try to figure that out. All right. He or she says, good day, blokes. Aussie expat. You're not going to do the voice? No, I don't. I don't think I have an accent in me. Do you have one? I don't have one. Good day, blokes. You you feel. Okay, there you go. Uh, I'm a Falcons fan and believe Ritter deserves a real chance this season. If he isn't the QB to lead the Falcons forward in this run first offense. He did spell offense. O F F E N C E. So either he's really, that, yeah. either really good at the bit or an actual Aussie. Would you try to trade for a Trey Lance or other young quarterback before the deadline? Love from down under. Under. Right. Under. There you go. Yes. Uh, um, so if it doesn't work out with Ritter, what is the Falcons' plan? I believe is the so. Question. I do not acknowledge universes in which it doesn't work out with Ritter, but if we're just doing that for fun, <laughs> well, hypothetical. No, I think right. I, I they have Taylor Heineke as a backup. Heineke has been a, a very functional spot starter, right? Held it down in Washington for a little bit, played in a playoff game. Like you know, he's he's got some moxie to him. He's got some skill set to him. I think functional it, moxie. I love this. Yeah, it's a you um. I think it's really hard to find a quarterback on the on the trade market, except for like unique circumstances. That's better for you in a short term solve a problem situation than Heineke is like, again, like even if they bring Lance in, you're not going to throw Lance out there and have him try to run this offense like the offense is not really built for quarterback option runs like some boot stuff, but it does, it's not really a perfect fit. And then he's got to learn it. Heineke already knows it. Heineke's got experience. He's been good, whatever. Like, I think if the if there's like a unique situation where like, hey, the Titans are terrible. Ryan Tannehill's on a contract year right now. They want to get some Will Levis looks, some some Malik Willis looks. You go get Ryan to run this offense because Ritter can't do it. Like that makes sense. But in general, I think that's a really hard thing to achieve. Um, so if Ritter's really shaky for them, I think they'll put in Heineke and do their best that they can with with, with him there. And then if they need to make a move after the season because both those guys can't shake it, they'll have to do it after the season. I mean, they're really stuck without a plan B, in my opinion. If Ritter is not good this year, I, I, I Tannehill was the name I wrote down. I agree with you there. If they needed to add someone, he's somebody who could potentially make sense if the Titans are not, uh, you know, playing well and competitive, and they want to move on from him. Heineke's their backup, as you mentioned. But like, look into the offseason. Like, they're not going to be bad enough where they're going to be able to draft a quarterback high. Who are the guys who could become available? Kyler Murray. Russell Wilson, are those guys going to be Falcons quarterbacks in 2024? Uh, Kind of feels unlikely. Would they take a big swing, like we just mentioned, with the 49ers? I guess that's possible. But uh, yeah, I don't see a a great plan B option uh, for the Falcons if if it doesn't uh, work out. You know why there's no plan B option for if it doesn't work out? Because they don't need one, baby. Rise up. The the NFC preview. You will hear that on uh, Extra Point Taken on the regular NFL feed next week. All right, two more. David says, good job by us, by the way, speeding up here in the second half. David well says, I also like to pick my team 
as we picked our Packers before the season starts. But because I'm a Bills fan, I always pick an NFC team. I've come down to three teams, and I would like you guys to help me pick. The teams are the Carolina Panthers, the Detroit mm-hmm. Lions, and mm-hmm. the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I felt pretty strongly here, so I, I can go first. You can't pick the Lions, David, because the Lions fan base has been through so much pain over the years that if they're good, it's going to be such a like unique experience to those who have experienced the pain over the years that you can't really just jump in and feel the same as everyone else. So I don't think you can pick the Detroit Lions. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it's not going to fit. You're not going to be able to get on their level. The Seahawks, I think you missed your window. I think if last year at this time, if you said, I'm looking for a team, I'm jumping on the Seahawks, I would have said, all right, you're allowed to do that. The Legion of Boom, that's over. Russell Wilson, it's over. You want to get in at the ground floor of Geno Smith and see what happens. You're allowed to do that. Now, can you kind of do that? A little more of a trendier team. I don't think you can do that. David, I think you got to go with the Carolina Panthers. Listen, nice city. I like a Charlotte. Uh, Always like visiting a Charlotte. Good airport. Bryce Young. I mean, who's more likable than a Bryce Young? Love a Bryce Young. And I, if, even if he can't play, he's, he's a likable guy. By the way, he is going to be able to play. We'll get to that uh, next week. Frank Reich, come on. Who, who's more personable than Frank Reich? I'll tell this story. When I came back uh, you know, from Seattle to cover the Eagles, and I'm back on the Eagles beat, and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm just going to go say hi to each of the coordinators, introduce myself. Two coordinators at the time, Jim Schwartz and Frank Reich. Little different. Could not Little have, different. <laughs> could not have any more different personalities. Uh, you know, I shook Jim Schwartz's hand. I don't believe he even, like, like he said hello, he didn't do anything rude, but he did not stop walking. It was just, okay, that's what it's going to be. Frank Reich, I mean, he would have talked to me for 90 minutes there if, if he didn't have anything else to do. Just, you know, where are you from, where you're coming from here, that kind of thing. So Frank Reich, likable guy. Jiro Evero, I feel like, is the official defensive coordinator of Extra yeah. Point Taken. I mean, we've been gassing this guy up That's for, our boy. Like, for a year now. We both love an Evero, and we don't agree on anything. So you like him, <laughs> we like an Evero. Uh, and then the players. I mean, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, J.C. Horn. Like, the expectations are going to be low. But mm-hmm. also, I don't think anyone's going to run away with the division. So listen, maybe they go, maybe they win seven games, but like mid-December, you're going to still like you feel you still have a shot at it. And then who knows, next year comes around and now they make the leap and you've already been on board one season. So I would say the Carolina Panthers out of those three. Agree or disagree? So I, I endorse everything that you said about the Panthers there. The gatekeeping on the Seahawks and the Lions is just ridiculous. No, Uh-oh. see, I, I am. Th- that's honestly, you have like stuff that is in your wheelhouse that I'm like Ben. I'm letting Ben cook here. He's got yeah. this these fan behavior type questions. Who can you root for? I feel like I, I was just bored. <laughs> like I have strict rules. I'm not going to be nice about it. I have rules on what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. Yeah, David, David, come here. Come, come, come to the happy, go lucky, <laughs> friendly, nice, young side of, of the pot. All right, come to the warm embrace of. Just root for the teams that are fun to root for. This, oh, you needed to get in a year early on the Seahawks. No. You needed this is no. classic like Shield against the spread, doing all of his offseason work. <laughs> but no, we're like like all like oh nobody nobody like uh, the the Seahawks. You should have seen it earlier. You should have done the work in July to realize that this team. No, I didn't good. see it you earlier. Should, but yeah. you can't jump on now. Come on, you. I Too cannot trendy. stress. I cannot stress to you how much you can jump on now. It, like, Shield, if somebody decided to start watching football and they becoming a fan 
tomorrow. Like, I'm going to start to get into the game of football, the NFL. Would you go, okay, but you're not allowed to enjoy Patrick Mahomes' plays because we've been doing that no. already for See, four years, a, five years. This is a straw man argument. That's not <laughs> what I'm arguing. His question is he wants a team. He is a football fan. He is a Bills fan. He wants an NFC team to root for. I mean, the Lions but it's, Seahawks, but He says he always does it. He says he does it every year. That's right. But if he picks the Lions or Seahawks, like there's a world in which one of those teams is playing the Bills in the Super Bowl. Then what are you going to do? You don't want to be that guy who's like, well, gee, I like no. both teams in the Super Bowl. No one respects you. Then you, you win. You want no, people no, to respect no, you. No, 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 no. He's a Bills fan. He will root for the Bills. That is obvious. But that's yeah. that's elite bragging rights. That's, hey, I'm a Bills yeah. fan. Oh, and this season I pick an NFC team every year. I pick the Lions and look at me. I'm 100% in the Super Bowl. I'm the only one who got it all right. And Pick, Dave, pick whoever you like and enjoy it and love it. Do not. I personally would take the Lions because I think the Lions are a really fun team to root for. They run the football no. really well. The coaching staff is awesome. They go for a ton of fourth downs. The Seahawks have a lot going for them as well. Gino's such a great reclamation story. Love Pete. All of those teams are great. Live your dreams, brother. Don't let the man keep you down. Shio Kapadia gatekeeping the Lions and the Seahawks. Horrible. I mean, Lions fans, if they win a playoff game, Lions fans, will be, tears will be coming down their cheeks. In the stands, and what's and David Dave do? will be happy Pull for Pull out an Amon Ross St. Brown. Come on, no, it has to be a team with a low ceiling. Yeah, you actually should follow our rule. It should be a team that has uh, plus odds to make the playoffs, and I don't believe the Lions <laughs> or the Seahawks have plus odds. No, it shouldn't be. Dave's not yes, an NFL should. podcaster. <laughs> he doesn't need to do bits. He can just root for a good team. <laughs> no, David, you know I'm right. I look forward to hearing from you, and uh, go Panthers. What's their thing? What's the uh, Keep pounding, baby. Keep pounding. Keep pounding. You there clearly you don't right. make enough fun of Stephen Ruiz if you can't remember <laughs> no, I do. pounding His off the dome. His face popped in my head, but I'm like, I can't remember what it is. The amount of times I podcast. tell Stephen right. to keep pounding Jackson, like, on a last weekly question. basis. If there was one player on a projected bad, awful team this year that could potentially push a contender either over the edge or into serious championship contention, what player and which team would you push over the top? I love this question, by the way, Jackson. Yeah. Nice one to end on here. Uh, Solak, do you got something or you want me to give uh, give some of my thoughts? No. Uh, so there, I brought up Buda Baker earlier. I really like the idea of, of Buda Baker. Like I said, I mentioned the um, I mentioned the Packers and I mentioned the Chiefs. I think that Baker coming off of a really bad Cardinals team is, is a uh, is a good option. No, no, there. wait, hold on. I don't think this is like I don't think you're supposed to be that realistic here. Like you pick a great player on a bad team that's not oh. going anywhere, and you just pick him up. And you place oh. him on a fringe contender and say this player puts you over the top. So this is oh. this is more of a fantasy land. At least that's how I'm reading it. If I'm wrong, Jackson, understood, I apologize. Understood. But that's how I'm reading this okay. question. Aaron Donald is a Seahawk. Chris Jones is a Seahawk. Either one works. Um, I'm gonna say the one that's gonna hurt your feelings, uh, Ben. Aaron Donald is a Dallas Cowboy. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, <laughs> they'd be sick. Aaron Donald and Micah Parsons? It'd be bananas. Oh I would still, you could still run the football on them to, you know, to re recover the nerd argument from many years ago. Oh, whatever. God. Here we um, go. And then the, the other one that's like, I think is still kind of realistic, but is also kind of fits in this as well. Let's get, let's make Mike Evans a Detroit Lion, baby. I, I am, I am all the way in on mm. Bucks, Bucks fire sale for the trade deadline. They have so many just like solid players who are a little bit past their prime. They already have a Super Bowl ring. Like you can, you know, uh, you can kind of recoup some picks, right? Get ready for the Caleb Williams and, and the reload stretch. Get a little bit cheaper. Get a little bit younger. Um, Evans is a player that, like, it, every 
Like there's some dudes who who need like, oh, we need to fit in a certain offense, have a certain skill set. You can put Evans on any wide receiver room in the league with any quarterback because he's just a guy you throw the football at. Like there's no yeah. scheme. Just just chuck it near him. Like that's the Down whole sideline. You can just yeah. picture it in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love uh, Mike Evans. The line is something I've been I've been pushing since like July at this point. I'm 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 committed to this bit. Um, who else needs like a bump? The Bills need a bump. The Bills need a star. Uh, who's a really good corner on a really bad team? Uh, well, I, I don't have the answer to that, but while you think about that, here I'm are thinking. the ones, uh, that I am, uh, what if, what if we get Devonte Adams back with Aaron Rodgers on the Jets? Does mm-hmm. that do enough to give them a, a little bump there? What about Cooper Cup? Has anyone even, has anyone in the non-fantasy realm even had a Cooper Cup conversation this summer? The guy two years ago was an absolute Triple monster. Crown. I'm just wondering, like... Like you look at their, you know, I, I don't even know if it's feasible that they trade those guys because they restructured their contracts. But like, are we just going to let Cooper Cup at 30 years old and Aaron Donald at 32 years old wallow away on a Rams team that's winning six games? Like, I want to see those players on good teams. How about this one? Uh, well, no, I I said Jaguars added Devontae Adams. Give me Devontae, oh, Calvin Ridley and yeah. Christian Kirk. That that one, I was like, that Jaguars, would be enough to bump them up. Jaguars need a, a, an outside pass rusher. Yeah, just ja- no, no, I'm just needs. ignoring the Jaguars defense. Who cares? Oh, yeah. They can, they just, can just, be terrible. The They're just line. scoring 45 every week. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 One the guy's only, not going to make a difference yeah. on the Jaguars. The only good players on bad teams are just all Buccaneers. I'm just like, get Carlton Davis. No, I've got a good one. I've got a good okay. one. Uh, Max Crosby. Ooh. You want a Max Crosby, Max Crosby on, on the like Jags. the Bills or something? On, on the, the Jags. Jags. Okay. I can mm. picture that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Max oh, Crosby that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Crosby. Okay. Who else who else got really who's just bad? Rams are bad. They're bad. Raiders. Who else yeah. is good in the Raiders? Raiders. I mean, the Bucks are so interesting because you look at the Bucks roster, you're like, they have a lot of good players, and this team is going to stink this year. So they're yeah. in that sweet spot that you mentioned. Like, are they just gonna trade everybody and say, all right, let's go get Caleb Williams and we'll restart. Um, so that certainly is Ooh. a good one. I mean, their corners are good. The Bucs, yeah. they got a lot of good players on defense. Get a, uh, get a Laramie Tunsil on, on, on the, uh, on the bills. Solve that right tackle problem. Maybe a little bit gets to Spencer Brown. We're done. We're done with the, um, we're done with the, 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 the growth project. We're done with the development project. We're just going to put good offensive linemen out here from here on out. I could dig it. There you go. All right. Fun question. Good job, Jackson. And uh, if I totally misinterpreted the question, then hey, that's on me. All right. That will do it for this episode of Extra Point Taken. Thanks to Ben. Thanks for all the questions. That was fun. Thanks to Cliff Augustine uh, for producing additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. Everybody have a great weekend. I think when you wake up Monday morning, maybe not the Australians, but others, when you wake up Monday morning, if you're uh, in America, I think you'll have another Extra point taken in your feed. We will start making our calls for the playoffs and everything else for the 2023 season. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next week on Extra Point Taken. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio. 
Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.